Hey there, welcome to the She Connects podcast. I'm thrilled that you are here. My name is Susan Vandenhuvel, and I have the honor of being your host each and every week. She Connects is an extension of my ministry, She Rises, and allows me to connect with women in the online space. I wholeheartedly believe that we as women enjoy connecting with one another to share hearts, disappointments, dreams, any challenges that we're facing, and really to just do life together. The heartbeat behind this podcast is to help empower and equip you to step into all that God has for you to do in this world. I'll be sharing whatever God has placed on my heart for the week, and from time to time, I invite guests on the show that I personally have gleaned and been inspired from, people that I admire, and I just maybe want to learn a little bit more from and that I believe you will appreciate listening to. So welcome. I cannot wait to connect with you today. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the She Connects podcast. I'm Susan Vandenhuvel, and I'm honored to be your host again this week. Come on in and let's connect. We are talking with Sue Donaldson again this week. This is part two of our conversation on collaboration over competition. If you missed part one, I would encourage you to go back when you have a chance and listen to last week's conversation with Sue. She just had so much wisdom and invested in not only my life, but just the listeners to the show. It was so, so good. So be sure that you take some time to listen to last week's episode if you haven't had a chance. So with that, welcome back to the show, Sue. Tell us a little bit about who you are for those of our listeners that are maybe just tuning in and didn't get to hear that introduction last week. My name is Sue Donaldson. Thank you so much, Susan. It's a delight to be with you again. I'm married to Mark. He's from Iowa. So we have some Midwest roots, but we live in the southern uh, central coast of California, San Luis Obispo. We are parents of three grown daughters who keep us at the bank and on our knees. And uh, no grandchildren yet, but I'm just waiting on the Lord. And I blog and write over at welcomeheart.com and podcast at Make It Count living a legacy life because what we do today matters. Oh, amen. Amen, sister. And like I said, uh, at the end of last week's episode, and I will um, repeat again this, this week that Sue is offering some really fabulous resources to all of the listeners. You can find those links and uh, information in the show notes. So be sure that you are um, tapping into those and taking advantage of those. I just know that they're going to add a lot of value to your life. And you'll be able to find links in how to stay connected with Sue going forward. All right. So we are going to continue on with our conversation, collaboration over competition. Sue, you are passionate about including others and gathering around the table. I am just over the moon passionate about that as well. I share that with you. Often there is what I refer to as a scarcity mindset that keeps Mm -hmm. women from including others, you know, kind of a, um, for anyone listening today that maybe you're unfamiliar with uh, scarcity mindset and what that means, (laughs) really just 
kind of peeling the layers mm -hmm. off the onion. And in a nutshell, what that means is there's this mindset there, there's not enough room for us, for every one of us that it's, you know, we can't include other people, we can't slide down at the table and make room for other people. So how can we as women, Sue, overcome that to make room for others to join us around the table? That's such a beautiful question. And it has so many different layers. Yeah. It reminds me of my favorite hospitality passage in scripture where Jesus invited his best friends to come and have breakfast. And as you read that scripture closely, you find out he says, bring fish, but he already had fish. So he was asking them to participate in fellowship, deep communion. It turned into be a great conversation, but he already had the supplies. He had fish. I call it the first Baptist potluck where he says, come on, bring your fish. But don't worry if, they're, if you don't have very many, that's the scarcity part, because I have everything you need. So it's so exciting, Susan, you know this for a real experience that God invites us to minister alongside of him, but he's the one who does the work. He's the one who provides for you and I to get up in the morning, to have the strength to invite the next person. So if we are feeling inadequate, which we can all struggle with, it's because we're thinking we're doing the work. It's God doing the work. Jesus says, come to me. I have fish. You bring what you have. It's the same. Another great story is when he gets the, the boy with two fish or two loaves. Can't remember. I can't keep that part of the potluck straight. But the loaves and the fish. And that wasn't very much. That's scarcity. But you give what you have. That's abundance. So even though I'm not Martha Stewart and I'm not famous and I don't make a lot of money, you know, I can always go on the not, not, not. That's scarcity. And um, a friend was telling me last night, well, I'm not a cook, but I want to be known for something. So she tried really hard to make brioche bread for Mother's Day. And it was a failure at first. And she was crying over it. And then it turned out okay anyway. And I thought how sweet of the Lord to touch her in that way to make her feel confident that she could offer one thing and that God would make it right. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm kind of choking up, but I just think that um, we mess up what God wants to do through our lives by saying, I don't have enough to offer. Of course you don't have enough to offer. You know, of course you're not enough. That's a given. But when I was younger, I'd say, oh, I'm not enough, so I can't do it. You know, I'm not as, as good a cook or my house is not as pretty, or um, I don't know the Bible that well. That can be a big one. So I'm not going to teach the Bible because I don't know it that well. I can teach Shakespeare, but I can't be trusted with scripture. But you can be trusted with what God told you that morning in a verse. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Uh, and I just want to pause there because like you, I just agree with you. There's just so many layers, I think, to this question. <laughs> And I'm trying to <laughs> trying to stay focused because I feel like we could go in all of these different yes. different directions. And I think that you you know just so adequately and effectively communicated how we are not called to, nor are we expected to rely upon ourselves. Mm -hmm. And yet, it's human nature that we somehow we take on burden and we carry weight that, that it's up to us and the results are up to us. And, 
you know, making this happen, whatever that is, Mm -hmm. it's up to us when, when that is, has never been an expectation that God placed upon us Mm -hmm. that we, and I just want to invite you to speak into this. I think that God wants us to do what we can in the natural, you know, do our part. He won't do ours and we most definitely can't do his, but he comes and puts his super on our natural and supernaturally, you know, lives are impacted for the kingdom of God and things are done in the world. And, you know, I think that, you know, you and I were talking earlier that we are partners with God. And so it's so incredible to think that this all powerful, all knowing God who could clearly do everything himself if he wanted to, but he extends an invitation to us. And, Mm -hmm. and at the same time, he doesn't expect us to have to have all the answers and figure it out. Totally true. And uh, to speak to your, your whole theme about competition, people might look at us because we're on stage people. We get up on the stage, our knees might be knocking, but we're old enough now not to let that show. We just wear bigger clothes. (laughs) Um, Um, and also we've experienced God's work in spite of our weaknesses and we, I have, and I know you have as well, but we would have never experienced God's work if we hadn't stepped onto the stage and not everybody listening is going to be those who step on the stage, but they will be in the kitchen at the church and they're, or they're taking a meal to their neighbor or they're doing something for in God's kingdom, right? It doesn't have to be like us. So I don't want people to say, oh, well, that's Susan and Sue. We could go on the road. No, 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 no. It's who God has called you to be in your own talents. But there's that beautiful parable about the talents where Jesus chided the man who just buried it. We're not supposed to, if you say, well, I only have one, don't use that word only. Just say, I have this one. And it's great because it's the Bible says, Every good and perfect gift is from the Father of lights. So don't you dismiss what God's given you, but then grow it. Grow that gift. I'm a better podcaster today than I was a year and a half ago. I'm a much better speaker today than I was 25 years ago. My first retreat, I was so scared. I had good things to say, but I wasn't experienced in that gift, right? And I remember being so uh, afraid about it. And then we had a huge rainstorm. Now we don't get enough rain in California, but that particular season, we had too much rain. And I got a call the night before the retreat and the roads were washed out to the retreat center. So they had to cancel it. I go, praise the Lord. Even the heavens opened up. So I didn't have to do it. But by the time (laughs) it was rescheduled, I felt much better. And that was God working on my behalf. I don't know. All I know is that I'm much better and I don't get scared now. Why? Because I'm great? No, because I'm practiced. And it's the same with you inviting someone into your home. That's why it's called practicing hospitality. You practice, you feel more confident. Your eyes are not on yourself. Your eyes are on that person and on God. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. So good right there that perfection is just never should be the goal. It's, it's not, it's not the, it's not the target for us. It's progress. And yeah, you know, and I was listening to you, I remember very clearly the first time that I was invited to be the keynote at a women's event. I was scared out of my mind (laughs) and, you know, my knees were knocking and, you know, that was so many years ago when, you know, we wore, 
you know, a certain type of skirt. And I was just hoping that they thought it was the fan that was blowing yes. <laughs> my direction <laughs> and not my knees knocking, you know, that that's why oh the skirt God. was moving. <laughs> Um, but you do, you just grow and, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think Mm -hmm. that today, um, you know, just anyone listening today that maybe, maybe that's, that's something for you that God would want you would want you to hear today that he's, he's not expecting you to nail it the first time, the second time, the Mm -hmm. fifth time, the 10th time, Mm but it's, it's trusting him and his ability to work through you. And I think that even, you know, we were talking about just that, that mentorship, um, you know, having someone to kind of come alongside us and, and maybe it's asking questions, how, how do I do this? I feel like God has placed this gift on the inside of me and I want to do it, but I don't know how. And, and Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes even competition can hold us back from asking people that are a little bit farther along to speak into our lives Mm -hmm. and to help us to grow in that gift. What do you think? Well, I just think uh, if anybody ever asks me to pour into their life, I feel like it's such an honor So for you who are thinking you're going to ask Susan or me or somebody else, would you help me through this next step? It would be an honor. It's an honor to pour into the next person. It doesn't mean I mentor every person who asks me. I don't have the time, but I'll meet with them one time. And from there, the relationship may or may not continue as far as a mentoring relationship. But it, yeah, I need help all the time. My mentor, I'm always calling her, should I do this? And she'll, She'll often say this because she doesn't tell me what to do very much. She'll say, well, does it have to do with building into people or the word? Well, then yes, because both of those last forever. That is just a general mentoring comment that I have based my life and my podcast on. And that's just from a quiet introvert who knows God and knows the word and loves me. And so uh, definitely, I, I, she told me years ago, why don't you write one of your retreat series into a book. I said, I don't have time for that. I'm raising children. See what I don't obey her. And you know, oh, no one wants to hear that. And besides, it's boring to sit down and write a book. I'm not sure to speak the book, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? I've just started writing my fifth book and it's my retreat series. So Lori's my, you know, her thoughts, God uses them. It just takes me a while to listen. So I'm not sure that uh, that's what you meant. But yes, we go rely on other people to help us to help grow our faith help grow our talents. Why? So that we're great and popular and make lots of money? No. It's so we do it for the God's glory and to build up the kingdom. Amen. Amen. When we no longer see other women as competition, we understand that when she wins, we all win. How can we genuinely support, encourage, and spur one another on in their gifts? I know that we're kind of already, you know, talking about that, but just kind of talk a little bit more, speak into that a little bit more, how we can genuinely do that. Well, I think it just comes, it can come, not automatically, it comes through maturity, maturity. We just, you know, you cannot, you cannot rush deep roots. It takes a while to grow up. And I'm more grown up now than I was 20 years ago, but I have a long ways to go. So it's a, it's a continuum, right? So part of growing up is realizing that it doesn't matter how someone else does things. To me, that's competition. We talked a little bit about that last week. But the idea, I remember in junior high, there was this girl on my block. They had more money than us. She had this plaid coat and this great um, 
uh, purse and I noticed it in junior high and then I ended up asking for it for Christmas. So I got a copy, probably a JC Penney's version of a more expensive. And I remember walking on the campus and there she was seeing me in my same copycat clothes. And I felt so small, but that's junior high. And I don't need to feel small anymore because I've learned to trust a big God. And we all have the same God. Your God is not smaller than mine. And so if we're trusting and hanging on, even though sometimes we're hanging on like those, that, that poster of a cat with her paws hanging onto the edge of a, of a, a shelf and it says, hang in there, baby. Sometimes I'm just hanging on, but it's the same God that we're hanging on to. And I think that we know that he's pushing from behind too and getting us back up there. And also one thing you mentioned earlier about, you know, we don't need to worry about perfection. My brother told me years ago, he goes, Sue, you learn more through failure anyway. And I don't want to go out and say, Lord, help me fail today so I can learn. Oh, no. That's like asking for trials. We don't need to ask for trials. They come. But we better take advantage of the learning experiences through them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, would you would you say that competition sometimes stems from an insecurity? Totally. I think it's totally from insecurity. Yeah. That's what I meant. How can you over? <clears throat> how can you uh, support another person? Well, when you get over yourself. Yeah, come on. I, call, I, I speak on this and I call it one of the main problems is our, we're navel gazing. And Christians can be the worst at navel gazing where we look down at ourselves with so much introspection that God can't get us to first base, mm-hmm. you know, because we're saying, well, Lord, I'm just such a terrible person. And I, I you know, I, I lost my temper uh, with my husband. And I interfered with my adult children again. That was me last week. But if I stayed stuck in that, then he wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be free to build up the next person because I'm so busy looking down. So I call that false humility. Don't you, don't you see that? Oh, I'm just such a horrible person. Um, Someone told me years ago and he uh, challenged me. He said, Sue, do you think that you're going to just reach a plateau someday and just never grow closer to God? And I, I, I must've been thinking that because I was, I was um, flatulating myself as if I were someone who, who had a cat of nine tails and I was whipping myself over a scene I'd done. So I just thought, well, he's right. I'm not going to reach a plateau. I'm always going to be moving forward. But if I get my eyes off myself, then I can encourage the next woman that God wants me to meet. And he'll say, gosh, Sue, you missed that opportunity because you were thinking about how bad you were. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, a lot of my, a lot of my ministry is on, you know, just really, knowing the truth of who you are in Christ, your identity. And I, I just really firmly believe that first knowing whose you are, you know, who you belong to, and then knowing who you are in him, that is the cure for insecurity. And, and we cannot keep trying to find security and identity in anything on this side of heaven. It's, it just not, it's a, it's a sandy foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if there's anything that you can teach to encourage anybody, but especially a woman, is that your security is in Christ. So get over yourself. Yeah. And if you don't know what that means, go to Ephesians 1 or listen to all your teaching. 
And uh, Rebecca Hastings has a book called You Are Worthy. That's a good resource. She would be a good one for your podcast. And a couple other gals I just was on their podcast. I'll tell you later, but they're, they're all about identity. Why? Because there's such a confusion about identity, but not just in sense of gender. Uh, it's all about our security and my security. Let's say your husband left you. Well, yeah, that's a big part of your identity, but it's not the core of your identity. Your core of your identity is that you are a child of God. And guess what, ladies? That never changes. Yeah. That never changes. So when you say it's a sandy foundation, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. And God says, look, I mean, people in scripture suffered. They suffered, Mm -hmm. but they didn't lose their position in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. That's so good. And, you know, for myself, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but for myself, when I have started to feel just that icky feeling on the inside, I can tell that I'm starting to feel a little competitive or a little Mm -hmm. insecure about something. You know, Mm -hmm. there comes a time where as we grow and mature in our faith, that we're able to recognize and become aware, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this way? And then to, you know, kind of trace that back, where did that come (laughs) from? Was it a a comment that was made? Was it that I messed up somewhere that I, was it something that I said and, oh man, I wish I would have said it differently. Or was it something that I seen on social media or whatever? And then, you know, but we have to go back to the truth of the word of God, because that is what's going to dismantle lies that tells us that we were, that we, we don't have what it takes, that we have to live onto ourselves and that it's all up to me the results are up to me and impact is all up to me. And I can't be in community. I can't, I have to sit at the table by myself. And Mm -hmm. that is a lie. It's just Mm -hmm. a lie. And it does not serve us well. It doesn't serve the kingdom. Well, totally. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want me to sit in my um, repentance. Yeah. I've come to find that repentance is God's greatest gift to me. Come on. That's uh, good. When I cry over my sin, I am never so close to him. Yeah. But he doesn't want me to stay there. Right. Otherwise, I'm, <clears throat> I'm making the cross uh, meaningless. You know, I'm actually trashing the cross when I don't accept his forgiveness. Yeah. So good. So good. I'm glad that you pointed that out. <clears throat> Can you share a few tips, uh, anything specific for our listeners to begin building community around themselves? Well, I'd like to stay, <clears throat> begin with not just a tip, but a mindset. I think hospitality and community building is a mindset where number one, <clears throat> we know we need it. And number two, um, God will use it in our life and in the lives of those that we commune with. And so I like to call it a hospitality antenna, or you could call it a community building antenna, where I need to adjust it accordingly every morning. Let's say today is filled with a bunch of interviews or work or writing. Well, I can't invite the neighborhood for coffee. No, But let's say I'm taking a walk and I see someone from the gym and then I just enter into a little conversation and then I say, hey, we need to get together. And then I hand her my phone and she gives me her contact information. I mean, I was at Costco the other day getting new glasses and I just felt the Lord nudging me that I could talk to this woman who seemed very friendly, who was in front of me in line. 
And then we ended up being at the same counter for just a few feet apart. So then we talked about our glasses. And then I asked, then she mentioned about being new to the area. Then I asked where she was from. And then I asked her over, but I couldn't do that unless I gave her my phone. I mean, those things happen not magically, but spiritually because we have to adjust our mindset that the next person we meet might be someone who needs to meet Jesus, but we don't know how that's going to happen. And by the way, she didn't come when I invited her. So I'm not saying I'm the big gatherer of people getting saved, but we are to be ready and willing to invite. So we start with the hospitality antenna. So check that out in your quiet time every morning. Lord, who is it that you're going to have me meet today? It's such an exciting way to live that it kind of makes you want to open your door and say, get in, get in here. Yeah. But it's not God's way every day that way. So I would say the next person you meet, you invite. That would Mm. be a tip. I would say that you have something in the freezer. I make cookie dough and I double it and then I put it in um, logs in wax paper and foil. And like, I have to get one out tonight for um, Bible study, but because it's gluten-free and there's somebody in our Bible study who's gluten-free. So then you always have something on hand. I think that's the preparation. God wants a heart preparation, but he wants a practical preparation. Why? For your own sake that you're not all, what do I have? That's Martha. But if we're sitting at Jesus' feet, we have the advantage. That's what, how it, that says that in the Amplified, that Mary chose that which was good, which gave her an advantage and which would not be taken away from her. So if we have that practical part all set in the freezer, I mean, this is just a simple thing that someone comes over. I mean, I had a friend scheduled to come over and I forgot. So she was at the door and I was so grateful I was home. And she saw that I pulled it out of the freezer. And while I was heating the water for tea, defrosted it, stuck the cookies in. And later she's going, Sue had fresh baked cookies. I go, yeah, but Karen, I forgot you were coming. You know, I was, I was a failure, a hospitality failure. Did it matter? No. Did it help that I had cookie dough in the freezer? It was nice. It's not mandatory. So I would say another good tip is get a friend to host with you. Mm. My mother was, my mother was very afraid of hospitality, but I didn't know that because by the time I came along, I was four or five kids. She was the master of it, but she told me a story that she, I'll tell it another time, but so, but she would um, have people over for a roast chicken every Sunday, but in between we would have roast beef at my aunt's because they were best friends. So aunt joy and my mom would invite new people over, but they would um, juggle between the homes. And that way mom said, Oh yeah, because I know Aunt Joy had half the food and I had the other half of food. So then we could concentrate on the new people who were new to church. So you pick a friend that you're very comfortable with. Think of your best friend, Susan, who's in town. And you think, hey, I want to have this family over, but I have a very busy week. Do you want to co-host with me? And she'll say, yeah, because that's it's not at her house. She doesn't have to clean. And then she'll probably stay and do dishes and you can debrief, talk about it, pray for these people. I've done this for years for coffees where you know, when I've had mom say, oh, I think I'll wait till my kids are grown before I have people over. I go, are you kidding? When your kids are young, that's when you need people over. And so they come over by have these two girlfriends who know how to carry a conversation. So while I'm in the kitchen cleaning up the mess, you know, the kids have just emptied all the laundry detergent all over the floor and the people are coming in the house. These two women can ask the questions. They can make the guests feel comfortable. So that's a very practical tip. 
pray for a friend to invite other people over with. And there's a collaboration piece right there. Yeah, def- definitely. Don't do it by yourself. You, the idea, my husband is a doctor, so he, you call it practicing medicine. Well, that's kind of scary if you're just practicing, right? Hospitality is not quite so like you don't have to worry about it if you practice and you flub up, though I guess you could kill somebody if you poison them. But <laughs> the, point, the point of it is when you practice something, you don't think about yourself, you think about the guest. And that's the main difference between hospitality and entertainment. Yeah. Um, your, your example of, um, you know, when you were in Costco and the, and the glasses, I immediately thought, you know, Lord, help me to live my life interrupted. Like you can interrupt me. I give you permission to interrupt me, Um, you know, to not be so busy and, you know, just kind of tunnel vision, you know, plowing my way through the store because I I'm busy and I'm on my way somewhere. (laughs) It's so important to see people. Oh, love that you mentioned that. All right. So last and final question. Uh, Can you speak into the woman listening today who has been hurt in the past and while she wants community, she's struggling to be a part of a community. So I'm, I'm just wondering if, if quite possibly there might be someone listening today that, you know, maybe she's been invited, an invitation has been extended to her to be a, a part of community, like a life group or come over to, you know, have coffee. But because of experience, she's hesitant. That's a really beautiful question. And I think it's a hard one because you don't want to mitigate someone's pain by saying, oh, get over it. You would never want to say that because God wouldn't say that to her. Yeah. What would God say to her? He would say, come to me. So my life needs to be an invitation for someone else to come to Jesus. So I have someone in this neighborhood who's that way. She's very sensitive to people hurting her. And she told me it's because she was bullied in high school. Well, here she's in her 30s. So you might want to say, hey, get over it. That doesn't help her. What I do is I listen to her. Mm -hmm. I um, point her to Christ. And I do call other people and say, would you invite this person into your life? Because she's hurting. Mm -hmm. So I, I get people to help me. And if you are that person who's listening, you go to Christ first because he says, come to me. And, um, he said it many times, but it's, it's really the biggest invitation of the Bible when he says, come to me. And you come as is. You don't come and get all cleaned up first. Yeah. So you come to him first, and then he will show you how to navigate the next relationship. And part of him showing you will be for you to forgive whoever hurt you. I think that's a huge piece. Yeah, me too. Um, there's a beautiful old movie called The Mission. And it's about this man who had murdered somebody. And so then he comes to God and he carries all his uh, guns and things of violence in a big black bag. And he's climbing up a cliff to go meet with this priest. And he's carrying these burdens and he gets up to the top of the cliff and he lets all the weapons and birds, really the burdens of his sin and guilt down the waterfall. And I thought, what a beautiful picture. We, are, we as Christians carry around burdens, hurts that have been done to us and hurts that we've done to others. And we carry it around as if we don't know God. But Susan, we do know God. And he said, let those go. 
And then I can use you in the lives of somebody else. So I hope that's a comfort. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is so beautiful. Come to me, come to me. I, I just can't emphasize that and just really agree with that more. That is so powerful. Come to me. Um, Because really, if, if that is you listening today, I, I just want to encourage you. And I think Sue would as well, that God wants to help you through that, that Mm -hmm. he has a, he has a beautiful plan for your life and his heart for you is to not be held back by that. Um, And he doesn't, he doesn't want you, nor did he ever intend for you to feel stuck in life and to feel stuck in um, something from your past, um, whether it's something that somebody has done or said to you or something that you feel regretful over that you said or done and you can't seem to move beyond that. Go to him and you can have those hard conversations with him, invite him into those places of your heart where you're hurting and allow him to start doing the work and speaking to you and showing you the things that he knows that you need. And he will lead you out of that because that's not his heart for you. And again, I'm not sure if I said it on this week's episode for it was part one, but it bears repeating. You were created. God created you for community. It is mm-hmm. not his heart for you to live life alone. So Sue, thank oh. you so much. Oh, go ahead. Were you going to say something else? Well, if I can remember this quote, uh, John Orberg said, God relentlessly pursues you because all he's ever wanted is to be with you. And see, that is, that is a description of our God. God relentlessly, right now you listening, you are being relentlessly pursued by God by listening to this podcast because, because of you? No, because all he's ever wanted is to be with you. So I like to say that most of our troubles would be mitigated if we had an accurate view of God. And that's an accurate view of God and an accurate view of ourselves that we are greatly loved. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so good. So good. Thank you for adding that because Mm, I think that that just adds so so much value and truth. So uh, receive that. And I would humbly encourage you to not wait for your feelings to be your motivator before you receive that as truth to activate your faith and to receive it, that that is God speaking to you. And um, Sue is, is a vessel that has allowed herself to be used over the last two weeks to speak into our lives. And so God knew that you needed to hear that. Thank you, Sue, for being with Thank us you. the last two weeks. It's been such a joy, such a pleasure to have you with us. And Thank you. um, you've added so much value to our lives. And I just really believe that you gave us a lot of tools for our toolbox. Oh, um, and to continue to grow in our faith and to reach higher in our faith. And uh, I would encourage you again listeners to go ahead and look at the show notes. Um, There's a lot of great links there for you to stay connected with Sue and take advantage of the great resources that she is making available to you. Um, She believes in you. I believe in you. And even more, God believes in you. He is for you. He is not against you. And we love you. And just we just pray the very best for you. And um, have a great week. Stay well. And I will catch you next time. 
Well, I hope that that was a blessing in your life. I'd love to hear what you walked away with from this week's episode. Drop a comment and let me know. I read and respond to each and every one of them, and I would love to hear from you. We all know people who could use some encouragement, especially nowadays, right? If you felt this episode was a blessing to you, would you share it with the people in your life? Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode because a new one drops each and every Wednesday. And would you be willing to leave a review and maybe even a few stars? It not only fills my heart and means so much to me, but it helps women find the podcast and be encouraged too. Have a fabulous week and I will connect with you right back here next week.